the Koi Gig Pod. We were too quick to drop off 3v1. That's been a problem that we actually stopped against Scotland because Neil Fahey stepped in to stop Caroline Weir. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Alan Quinlan is with us. Alan, good morning to you. How are you? Good, Jared. Thanks. And yourself? We'll get on to Ulster and Dan McFarland in a moment, but I do want to start with uh, Johnny Sexton's health, which, let's face it, uh, is the barometer of Irish rugby's well-being at the moment. The World Cup year is officially here. We've been banging on about it for three and a half years. We're entitled to talk about it now, non-stop, between every day between now and September, when it actually happens. And uh, lo and behold, the first thing that happens is Johnny Sexton's out for a significant period of time. <laughs> yeah, it didn't look great, did it? Um, unfortunately, um, he uh, he took a heavy knock to the face, the side of the jaw, and uh, we don't have the, the prognosis yet or the the results of, of a scan, but it didn't look like um, something that you can just shake off and be back in playing next week or, or playing for, for Leinster in Europe the week after. So it's uh, it's one that's um, uh, it's disappointing, I think. And, uh, you know, he hasn't had a lot of rugby play this year and he's been minded a little bit, but he'd be a significant loss. But, you know, for the Six Nations, uh, it's, it's better something like this happens now rather than, than at the World Cup because um, you know he would be a significant loss given the way he's been playing. I saw some debate online about the um, his body position at the tackle and whether or not he was lucky not to have been red-carded. Is, do you have a view on that or was that just um, a bit of aftertiming? Yeah, um, I think it's definitely the first one of the thoughts that came into my head when you tackle that high and you make contact Um Albeit he, it was his jaw with Jared Butler's head, um, he could have been he could have been carded for it. Um, but he does tackle high, doesn't he? He's done that for a long, long time, and he usually wraps the ball. And he's taken a lot of kind of heavy knocks over the years, and they've been kind of highlighted and spoken about. But um, it's one that could have been looked at. But I think he's absorbing the tackle a lot more than than that forward mo- motion at the end when. Uh, you know, there's a lot of debate around these, the tackler's technique around, you know, the height they're tackling at and the onus is on the tackler. But it's one that could have been maybe looked at, but I think he's absorbing the tackle a lot more than, than any sort of movement going forward. Um, uh, regular listeners to this show will know that uh, I had been saying that I thought that him and uh, maybe Sean O'Brien and a few others should have been given six months off in advance of the last World Cup Uh like this might now be an enforced period of rest for him. Do we just need to stop and hit the reset button and go, all we want is Sexton to be playing well by the time the World Cup comes, however that needs to happen. I guess this is twofold here, right? Is there a world in which Johnny Sexton last night got injured in that tackle because he wasn't quite at um, full match sharpness having not played much recently and so therefore he probably needs to play a good bit more than we actually think in advance of the World Cup, but that might be okay. And maybe he plays every minute of all the warm-ups and everybody's like, why are they doing this? Because he needs to get to that match sharpness? Or do you literally wrap him up in cotton wool and the next time we see him in a meaningful match is the start of the World Cup? Not for me, it's too it's too risky doing, doing that. Um, uh, you can't wrap a guy in cotton wool. I think he was always going to, and he's managed pretty well at, at his age anyway, and, and as are most of the internationals, here around the, their game minutes and stuff like that, his would be probably monitored a little bit more. And certainly, we do want him at a World Cup, 
But um, I don't think you can wrap someone in cotton wool and, and give them a complete um, break from the game and, and bring them back for World Cup warm-ups in, in, in August and, and hope that it's too risky to do something like that. I think it could backfire on you. But um, if he's if he's not available, if he's fractured his jaw and there's a, there's, there is a fracture there, maybe which we were not, we hasn't been clarified yet, but it certainly looked like there was a, a, a serious mark on the side of his face that he had a dent on his, on the side of his jaw, which didn't look good. Um, that could be down to just, it could have swelled up really quickly. Um, but if he was to miss the Six Nations, well, it's more game time for Joey Carberry, um, Jack Crowley, Ross Byrne, um, and they've got to cope and they coped against Australia, albeit it wasn't at the same level and it wasn't the best performance against Australia in November. But um, it's just, it's it's a little bit of luck that we need come November to have such a pivotal player available uh, to Ireland. But I wouldn't say take him out of the game and wrap him in cotton wool. He needs to play rugby as well. Yeah. The one last point about this is that um, the, the team is a completely different <coughs> team. The... the, the Leinster team and the Ireland team are completely different teams when Sexton plays. All the, the um, advanced analytics show just what kind of difference he makes to the side. And yet, we can't put all our eggs in the Sexton basket. We, we've seen that he's barely played since the All Blacks series, which was obviously sensational. But at this stage of his career, he's going to pick up injuries. So those other players you're talking about, this is it now for them. Like This is their moment to stick a hand up and go, I can be the player who starts at number 10 when Sexton's not around. And if Sexton is around, I'm the one breathing down his, his neck. Is there anybody who's ready to do that at the moment? Um, well, I, th- I think obviously there's a big debate about this and, and the, the level that Johnny Sexton brings. Um, I think the composure, the determination, the the, the control and the the kind of energy that he brings to that Irish jersey when he's there and he kind of lifts players around him that's pretty significant it's hard to replicate that with with the other players obviously Jack Crowley um, got the nod in November against Australia it was a big step up for him there's a lot of excitement about him and we're seeing um, we're seeing the raw talent that he has um, and I know we'll talk about it in a minute the, the, the win in, in Belfast for Munster there's still a couple of mistakes in him there's still a little bit of jitterness um, he's a wonderful footballer and he has that little bit of spark that you want. Um, Joey Carberry, I think he has that ability to step up there and he's done it on a couple of occasions as as well. Um, it was very frustrating in the sense that you know, Carberry got, got that head knock against Fiji and, and wasn't around to, to maybe start. But obviously, it's hard to replicate a Johnny Sexton you know, there'll probably never be another Johnny Sexton at that level, the leadership. Um, maybe some of the younger players, maybe Crowley will in a few years. Harry Byrne is back playing as well. Um, so I, I'm not sure. Um, is there anyone at the same? There's no one at the same level, but I think it could be a great opportunity for someone like Crowley or, or Carberry to excel himself and kind of get a run. I think he's only had five or five starts or six starts for, for Ireland out half Joey Carberry so um, yeah coming into this year it's not ideal and it could come back to to, to to cause Ireland problems but 
it is what it is and they've got to get on and, and Six Nations is an opportunity for somebody else if Johnny Sexton isn't available. I can see it in your eyes, Quinny. You're mad to talk about Belfast. You're mad to talk about it. We, we, we might as well focus on the negatives for Ulster first before we get into the positives with uh, with Munster. But we mentioned the Dan McFarlane quotes uh, earlier on in the show. Like They really stand out because he's like, we were terrible. Um, when they held onto the ball, they looked magnificent. We looked careless at times, like we didn't care how precious the ball was. Very strong comments from McFarland after that match. Yeah, very strong comments. As long as you don't want to talk about Brentford last night, uh, Shane, that's all right. But uh, Belfast on, on Sunday was was good. Um, I, I think it probably shows that um, they are on the right track in the sense that, you know, there's, I don't, uh, like the, the South Africa results, like the Edinburgh results, um, a couple of weeks ago at the start of November, I thought they were kind of pivotal moments for this team to go to Edinburgh um, and, and pr- produce the performance they did, get a bonus point win. Um, they probably should have won the game against Leinster. Well, certainly could have won the game against Leinster. Um, they're in dire need of points. And you think going to Belfast, this is, this is you know, predictably it could be another win for Ulster. Even in, in when I played back in it's a good while ago now. It was always a difficult game, this game after Christmas, because you're going to be down some of the internationals and it's it's a tough place to go and win. So no matter what position Munster were in and what squad they have, it's, it was always a tough place to go. Um, but I think we've seen glimpses and we've spoken about it on the podcast and with you guys as well in the last few weeks that there is glimpses that um, this team are starting to gel together a little bit. Um, they're showing a bit of fight, determination, which is needed. Defensively, they're they're getting that stuff right. Um, Bar Leinster, they've can you know they they've. I think they're the second best defensive side in the URC, and that was even before this game on Sunday. Um, so you know they're getting their fundamentals. Pretty good. I think obviously you can go into the set piece and they lost lineouts early in the game. And you think the first half opportunities gone when they were also were down to 14 men, you know, they weren't able to score. But I thought the reaction, and there seems to be a little bit of a spring in their step. And they're far from the finished article. I think they look at this game and, and certainly realize that they made some mistakes and opportunities and they need to be better in certain things. But you know, Dan McFarlane, in fairness to him, said um, that he didn't want to take away from the Munster performance. But when you go away from home and you have 65% possession and, and so up in 60% or over 60% territory as well, that would indicate that you're trying to play and that you have a lot of the ball. Um, and I know the first half they had, uh, they weren't clinical enough with it. And Ulster had entries into the 22 that Dan McFarlane is talking about. But Munster look a lot more comfortable now in, in, in working together defensively and you know some of the penalties they gave away in the first half were silly um, but it was a really good performance for them and um, the fight to come back uh, against uh, on paper a stronger side a more settled side in a sense that um, you know Munster is still missing a lot of players and they were down their internationals but it was a brilliant win for them That's the point I think Quinny isn't it the fact that Ulster had some internationals back. Munster still without, you know, Tyg Burr and Peter Mahoney, for example. Like, when is it? When is it panic stations for Ulster and Dan McFarland? Um, yeah, well, look, Ulster still and Munster still down a number of players who can can bolster the bench and give them a little bit of depth, particularly around the second row position. You know, Kieran McDonnell has come in on a short term contract. 
he was really good the other night. Um, for Ulster, look, it's been a, a dreadful couple of weeks, and I think they going to Galway last week um, on the twenty on the twenty third December. You think for fifty sixty minutes, it's it's good, and they've they've played well, and they've they've dominated, they've won the physical battle, and in the end, they're hanging on for dear life. So. You know, psychologically, we talk about them a lot. Um, Dan McFarlane said that, you know, himself that they were soft in a sense that, and he didn't specify physically or mentally. He wasn't really, but just as a team, they were they were broken down easily and um, in Galway, and they could have, you know, ruined a perfect night from. I, you know, they got the win in the end, twenty two twenty, but um, the results against Sale, um, first half against La Rochelle. So he's worried, he's concerned, and he should be because. But on paper, they're a very, very dangerous side. But they're lacking some something. Henderson has come back in the last few weeks, um, and you know they would have been really, really down the dumps after losing that game the other night at home. So, is it a crisis? Because it feels it has the bang of a crisis of it at the moment. Yeah, well, you'd feel like it is a crisis when you lose a game like this at home. You could put down the last few weeks to the travel, to a little bit of luck, bounce the ball, um, maybe not. Um, you know, everyone has little dips in the season, Ger. But you know, this is this this one will hurt a lot. Um, given it's at home, it's it's a packed house. It's the first game of the new season. Munster down the internationals. Um, and you think you've got to win this game. Um, go back to June in the quarterfinals and Leinster blew Munster away with a similar team and Munster had a stronger side. Um, so, you, you know, going up, I think Munster fans would be more hopeful going to Belfast, but they couldn't shake him off. I think obviously, the, you know, when Balakun scores a try, if he gets a conversion, it's it's 16-5. It's has a different feel. Uh, Munster getting the penalty, making it 14-8. Any team chasing a lead, if you bring it back to within that try and conversion score score line, you're you're going to make it nervy, and they just lack a little bit of control and composure. Ulster at vital times, and they allow teams back into it. And but you know, I just thought Munster were really brave in what they did, and they made a lot of line breaks. Um, they kept going. They caused Ulster a lot of problems at the breakdown. Um, so, you know, from Dan McFarlane's point of view, I know he looked back in this and, and, and it was really poor and if and a lot of stuff they did. But on the other side, I think it showed that Munster are moving forward a little bit. Um, the reality still is they're going to come up short and they're still going to struggle probably, possibly to make the, the, the playoffs. But they've given themselves a real shot here. This was a win that's, that wouldn't be have been expected. Um. Two, two last points on this. Uh, Healy obviously uh, performing the way he did. The links to Scotland won't go away. What do you think is going to happen here? Um, I'm not sure because I think you know Ben Healy is is a very talented player. Um, he has ability. I think the only downside at the moment that I would see in his game is just physically, defensively, and. And probably when he's in collisions and in contact, um, for a big man, he needs to be a little bit more physical. He's a very talented guy and he's shown that he's so laid back, um, doesn't panic, which is a brilliant attribute in a fly half, you know, because they're usually under a lot of pressure. They have a lot of decisions to make. So he's very calm. 
So he has something other fly halves maybe don't have that control. And I thought he was brilliant. So um, it's often the case when, when guys' backs are to the wall that they come out fighting and they they bring that little bit of fight and energy. He was very good in Cork against South Africa as well. Um, so what's going to happen? I don't know. I think he, he'll certainly be tempted. This is the second time Scotland have come looking for him. Um, his contract is up at the end of the season. He's got to assess where he's at. You know, Jack Crowley has kind of leapfrogged him a little bit. Um, Joey Carberry is there. Is he, does he want to sit and be third choice? Does he believe that he can be first choice? Because they're not kids anymore now. These guys have played a good bit of rugby in the last two seasons. So um, it's a big decision. Munster would love to keep him, I'm sure. And he would be a very important player going forward. Um, but I think the other night will certainly help um, the perception of, of Ben Healy. And it certainly puts him back on the radar again for people going, wow, this guy can do something here. And he was very, very good when he came on. And, and he's an undoubted talent. Um, it's hard to know what to, to think when there's a possibility we could have Cooney at 9 and Healy at 10 for Scotland. Yeah. Um, against us in the World Cup, you know? And like, if Healy wants to go and play for Scotland, part of you thinks, fair enough. If that's what you think is the right thing for you, then off you go and, and that would be a sign that you don't fancy your chances of knocking over your opposition. And then part of you thinks, Ireland don't really have a glut of brilliant young out-halves, so let's make sure we keep him in the system and get the benefit of the fact that maybe in three, four years' time he is the best of that crop because we don't know how they're all going to evolve and develop. Yeah, that, that's a great point. If you can get five, six, seven of these fly halves behind Johnny Sexton and you keep shaking and rocking and and um, and seeing more and more of these guys, the chances are one or two of them are going to learn from Sexton uh go on that path of, of developing their own game and that that character-wise, that resilience, it's hard to coach that stuff. But talent-wise, yeah, I think, you know, David Nusifora wouldn't want to lose him. I don't think Munster would want to lose him. But that carrot is kind of dangling there, international rugby and where he sees himself. So if you're Ben Healy, you're thinking, White, okay, I uh, what do I have to do now to, to get get playing for Ireland well I have to get a number one slot in Munster and start playing regularly for Munster in the big games and then you know get get called up to the Irish squad so there's a there's a good few steps to go there in the sense where if Scotland come and bring him to Scotland uh, Glasgow and Edinburgh you sense that they'll nearly drop him straight into a Scottish squad or uh, uh, and and fast track him so um, it's a tough one for him um, and I'm not privy to what the conversations are with his agent and contract negotiations and all that kind of stuff but it was pretty telling that he signed a one-year contract last year and it wasn't longer so he's certainly going to be tempted by it I think the last couple of weeks would have would have uh, not been great for him when he when he sees his lack of game time throughout December so let's see what happens I think the other night will certainly give him a boost and he'll have a pep in his step going into Munster training this week. Uh, last one then on, on the Ulster game. Um, when McFarlane comes out and criticises the players again, Stephen Ferris afterwards was talking about how there's only so many times you can do that before, yeah. you know. So uh, that's, I guess, when, when I'm asking about a crisis, it's like, well, you've done that publicly. There's been the various issues that they've had. 
Um, Robert Coyle and the Texters is making the point the logistics and getting to sale Frostgate no leadership on and off the field hurting financially support waning more to Ulster's issues than just playing poorly it does seem like you know what's happening on the field is a reflection of what's going on uh, in a, on a more wider basis at the club at the moment there's a, a non-zero chance that um, McFarland isn't the coach next season you've got to presume the IRF you want McFarland to stay and that they'll be buttressing him and supporting him because they, the last thing they want is another change of coach there who comes in and says, oh, I've got a three-year plan and we're all <coughs> the future. Yeah, I think, look, it's, um, I agree with Fez. I think if you, um, and I'm sure behind the scenes, he probably ripped him a new one, um, given the, you know, when you go out and you're kind of st- trying to stay um, controlled after, uh, after a game like that. But he was honest and he has been honest and he's, he's, um, uh, but it, it's it's getting to that point that if you know, I think they will make the playoffs. They'll be knocking on the door in the URC. They were unlucky last year. They, you know, they could have beaten the eventual winners in the semi-final. Stormers very unlucky in the end. Um, so, but we talk about that a lot, don't we, Jer? Small margins and a little bit of bad luck and and what ifs for Ulster. Um, they've got to deliver. I think they've, you know, it's it's they're in a tough place in Europe as well but they can still qualify. Um, but the pressure is going to come on him a little bit. And it, internally, if, if you if you hear the coach kind of lambasting you, I'm sure he's he's been pretty tough on him this week and they've got to pick themselves up their way in Benetton this week. So um, they've got to go there and, and win and, and possibly get five points and get back on track and turn this around. They, they are in a bit of a crisis at the moment. There's no doubt about that. One suggestion here from Robert Coyle, who I think is our resident Ulster fan in the comments, is uh, the RFU should send Ben Healy to Ulster. Billy Burns has to go. Um, like the Billy Burns experiment of him playing for Ireland, that those days are over. So I'm not really sure what the point of persisting with him as the 10 at Ulster is. Is there a world in which Ben Healy ends up? Possibly, yeah. Possibly. I think Jake Flannery obviously has went up there and he's not got um, a lot of game time. But it would be the best... Um, it wouldn't be a bad scenario for Ireland to keep him here. Um, and if he was playing with one of the other provinces, yeah, um, that would be great to keep him for, for, for with a view to playing for Ireland. But, you know, the Billy Burns thing um, is rumbling on. A lot of lo- Ulster people talk about that. And, and it's an area where they're lacking that bit of control and composure. Because when you think of McCluskey, Hume, Balakoon, Ethan McElroy, um, you know, Michael Lowry, they're finishers. They've got pace. They've got quality. And at times, they, um, it's not really their attack that's the problem. It's their control in games and where they play and that, that composure that's needed. And he's not that type of player, Billy Burns, is he? He's, he's a kind of off the cuff and he's a bit of spark to him and he's attacking. He runs a lot. So maybe they do need a little bit more of a pragmatic approach. I think their mall has been really good and we've criticised their forwards a lot over the years. But they were porous and they were a bit soft the other night against Munster. Just strikes me, Quinny, when we're talking about Munster and it being all sunshine and roses because they, of course, got the right side of the of the result uh, uh, at the weekend. Like, attacking-wise, after those inner pros against Ulster and Leinster, they had the ball so often in the opposition 22, 22 and can only, I guess, get over the try line a certain amount of times. Like, Mike Prendergast surely will have a lot of stuff to work on, even regardless of the of all the positives Definitely. we're talking about. Yeah, definitely. I think that's um, did opportunities in the first half didn't take them. Um, I think what was most pleasing for this team was 
was at the end. They didn't panic after the Jack Crowley break. Um, we see that in a lot with, with Munster. You know, they make some some bit of a break. There's no one on the shoulder. Uh, they go 40, 50 yards up the field, and then the ball is turned over. They knock it on, and it's 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 um, the pressure has gone off the opposition. I think that bit of composure that they showed, and and for Conor Murray to pass it to Ben Healy that time, we've seen Munster many times before, and under the, the old regime, they would have kept picking and going and picking and going to actually give the pass there. And you know, Shane Daly was outside him; he could have passed it Ben Healy. Um, but that's where the space was and, and for them to score there at that critical time. But of course they'll look at that and they'll try and execute better. And they're far from the finished article, Shane. So I, I, no way am I suggesting that Munster are in a great position now. But I think they're they're showing positive signs and they're enthusing, you know, the Munster fans a little bit from, from where they, the, the results at the start of the season. Uh, one last thing, um, Jordan Larmer's back. Is this uh, something that might force the Ireland selectors' hands a bit? Yeah, I think it was brilliant. Um, uh, he's had a dreadful time with injuries, a, a lack of form at times as well, coming back, picking up another injury. He's a brilliant player. And he has a little bit of niggle to him now, even in that monster match down in Thoman Park. He's trying to get in counter-rocking. At one stage, he's he's slamming into monster forwards in a mall. Um but he has that brilliance. I think it was it was that that X factor that you just can't coach in people. He has that. So trying to utilize that, getting it back, is another big boost. Ryan Baird was someone um, you know outstanding performance from him as well. And they just flexed their muscles, didn't they? After about fifty five, sixty minutes, Leinster and showed their quality. But when you have someone like Larmer making those line breaks, um, stepping people, it's 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 just a so many talented players they have, but I think it's brilliant to see Jordan, Jordan Larmer back in action as well. Quinny, good stuff. Thanks a million. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, lads. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.